This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Damian Bolwa. Today on Fifth and Mission, what's next for California schools now that there's a deal to reopen? The agreement struck on Monday by Governor Gavin Newsom and the legislature would provide billions of dollars to school districts. Schools would not have to reopen, but to get their share of the money, they'd have to do certain things and reach certain deadlines. My guests today are Chronicle Sacramento correspondent Alexi Kossif and our school reporter Jill Tucker. How are you guys? Great. Good. Good. Thanks for having me. So another big day. We're talking late Monday and Tuesday is another day where we're going to find out about counties that are moving into a new tier, which is going to affect school reopening. But first, Alexi, what happened in Sacramento with this deal? This has been a long awaited development. Everybody's been wondering when would the legislature and the governor finally figure out a plan to create a path for schools to reopen. And it finally happened over the weekend. They came to this agreement and they announced it Monday. And it it takes out a lot of the barriers that had been in place for schools and teachers unions to reach agreements. It no longer requires that they need things like um, testing or vaccinations for teachers, although that still could be negotiated at the local level. What it says at the most basic level is that we will give you money if you open by the end of March. And depending on what tier you're in, you might have to open more grades or fewer, but potentially elementary school students could be coming back um, and vulnerable students, you know, who are learning the English language, who are homeless, foster youth, those with special needs could also be coming back in the next couple of weeks. All right. Now you say it takes out barriers, but the schools do not have to reopen, right? It's just to get this pool of money. Right. But one of the biggest challenges that school districts have been facing is reaching bargaining agreements with their local employees unions. And they have been at odds over a whole range of issues whether it's the timeline that they come back, whether it's the safety measures that they would have to agree to. And, you know, Sacramento is very aligned with teachers unions. The Democratic politicians there get a lot of money from them and a lot of support from them. And they had backed a lot of the demands that teachers unions were making throughout this negotiating process. And we have reached a point now where there is such a fervor from, you know, parents and others who want schools to reopen that the officials in Sacramento, Newsom legislative leaders said, okay, fine, let's get all these barriers out of the way that people were saying were, you know, us that, that were Sacramento putting obstacles in the path of reopening. And let's try and clear a smoother path toward school districts actually having a shot of getting kids back in the classroom. Jill, the climate has really changed, right? I mean, and not just in terms of some of the uh, protest efforts that we've seen, not just people being very vocal, let's reopen, but also just the general climate of people saying, hey, it's time. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's across 
the political spectrum. It's across parents, um, you know, health experts almost universally from the federal government down to the local level are saying we can reopen schools safely. And yet we're still not seeing a lot of our public school districts reopen across the Bay Area and across California. And so that, you know, that's why we're seeing something of a fever pitch. We're seeing lawsuits. We're seeing the protests. Um, but there's, you know, increasing uh, agreement, if not consensus. I, I think everybody wants to reopen. People are starting to realize it, it can be done safely. Um, but we still have some hurdles to jump through, especially in districts where, where the unions have um, requested uh, stronger demands than what the local health officials are asking for or, or even the state. So even though we see these barriers lifted in this legislation, it doesn't mean that at the local level, uh, we won't see those continue to be demands, vaccinations and testing, for example. Um, and until the districts agree to that, you know, they still might not reopen. All right. So first off, I want to ask you guys, you know, what do the schools have to do under the the framework of this deal in order to get the money? What are the sort of specific conditions? I would say, you know, some of the most basic ones are really just about who comes back. Even that has been a disputed issue in California. And so what the state is now saying is to get this money, um, we want you to bring at the very least transitional kindergarten through second graders back. And then all of these vulnerable students who are suffering the most from being out of classes. But once you reach the red tier, which is the second least restrictive tier, it means that cases are fewer than seven uh, new cases per day per hundred thousand people. Then we want all elementary school students back. And we want at least one additional grade from middle or high school. And so they're really pushing here to try and get momentum moving to get middle and high school back as well. Because, you know, this whole time, what we've been fighting about is elementary school kids. And meanwhile, the discussion has barely even moved on when middle and high school kids are going to come back. All right. Forgive the specific question, but one grade back, um, what is the sort of impetus for bringing just one grade back? What Gavin, uh, what Gavin Newsom said during his press conference Monday is that what he feels like once people see that this system can work, they'll be a lot more willing to take those additional steps and bring more students back. So they're trying to create this impetus, this momentum to start that process and basically take away the fear of the unknown from this whole situation. All right. So at least get one class back by that first deadline. Right. If you're in the red tier for, for purple, it would remain just those youngest children, transitional kindergarten through second grade. Okay. And, and Jill, will this money make a difference in terms of getting schools reopened and how widespread will that be? Well, I, I think to a certain degree, it depends on the district and how close they are to reopening. So let's say San Francisco goes into the red tier Tuesday. Uh, that means uh, the district will have to reopen for all of these grades, right? All of elementary school kids who want to go back, the vulnerable kids, as well as one grade in middle or high school. We're talking in San Francisco about 30,000 kids. And right now, they only have about six schools that have gone through the form formal process and inspection by county health officials to reopen. So the reality is, even though they're, they're in the red, there's all this money sitting on the table to reopen, 
they still have to go through the process of reopening and they still don't have an agreement with the teachers union. So really in in a district like San Francisco, it might give them a little incentive to try to to do this um, because it would it would mean perhaps seventeen million dollars, give or take, that would be left on the table if they can't reopen in time. Um, but I, I do think they 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 still have a long way to go. They would have to get the county health officials to approve every school individually for reopening, and then somehow get everyone scheduled and back in addition to a teachers' agreement and. District officials said that, honestly, this is great. We need more resources, but it it doesn't change our timeline. It doesn't change the to-do list. And so I think this will be great for a lot of districts that are just about to reopen or already reopening. I don't know how much of an incentive it's going to be. I don't know how much of a difference it's going to make. All right. And the last thing before we take a break, Alexi, tell me about the Tuesday decision, um, do we know who's going into the different tiers and does that have an impact on, on the rollout here of the of this new deal? What Newsom has previewed is that there's at least half a dozen counties that are going to be making that move into the next tier. And uh, San Francisco officials have, have hinted for at least a week now that they're expecting to be one of those. So this really could have a, a significant impact on what's happening for San Francisco schools because the, because this situation is about to change for them. The others aren't usually announced until about midday Tuesday, but what what the governor said is that I mean, things are moving so quickly that he expects in the next couple of weeks, more than half of Californians are going to be living in counties that have moved into the red tier. So that pace of, of you know, improvement is really accelerating. And this is going to bring a lot of changes in the next few weeks. All right, let's take a quick break. More on Fifth and Mission when we come back with Alexi Kossoff and Jill Tucker. You can support Fifth and Mission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited Chronicle access at sfchronicle.com slash pod. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome back to Fifth and Mission. I'm Damian Bulwa. I'm joined by Chronicle reporters Alexi Kossoff and Jill Tucker. We're talking about a new deal for schools to reopen, some money coming from the state if schools hit certain milestones. So, Jill, I want to go back to you. Um, you were gathering reaction, I know, after the deal and, and looking forward to Tuesday. Uh, what were the districts saying? Well, you had some pretty happy districts out there because they stand to get millions and millions of dollars on average. And it'll be different for every district depending on the demographics. But on average, it's it's about $1,100 per student. And so in larger districts, that is millions and millions of dollars. And um, they will get to get some of it, even if they can't reopen. Um, they they can use it for a variety of things, summer school and and recovery of learning loss and things like that. But but uh, the reopening amount of money is 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 still a lot of money. Um, I think there were a lot of districts though that 
we're trying to be polite about it and saying we're we're glad to see the money, but I don't know that we're going to get all of it. And and the idea that they wouldn't get seventeen million dollars like in San Francisco because they can't reopen in time that's a that's a lot of money for a district that already has a budget shortfall and is looking for revenue wherever they can get it. But, you know, there were happy districts in Pleasanton and elsewhere and in, in, in Berkeley where they already have a timeline for reopening. Um, they would have to increase that pace a little bit if they're going to open all elementary grades and one in seventh or eighth or high school. Um, and so uh, they have a lot of work to do as well. But I think they'll, they'll, there's a lot of folks that are really happy, especially the ones that are already open. This is just sort of money in the bank for them. And is a lot of that money going to be spent on on keeping the, the schools safe? Yes, there there are restrictions on how they can use this money. They can use it for a wide range of things. But in general, the money is specifically for pandemic-related expenses like safety, staffing, um, it, it could be used for testing, um, I think vaccinations too, um, as well as summer school or extending the school year. Uh, so there's a lot of, of, of ways they can spend the money. Um, but in general, it, it, it's supposed to be related to the pandemic or the recovery from the pandemic. All right, Alexi, we would be remiss if we didn't mention that the governor is part of this deal and that he's been facing a pretty well-publicized recall effort to try to get that uh, to get that in voters' hands. Uh, Alexi, the governor has taken a lot of heat from, in particular, people like small business owners. But on the schools issue, this has been one of the big things that's driving people's energy on this recall. How much of a factor is it in this deal? I mean, look, the, the governor wants to reopen, but there's no doubt that the the momentum behind this recall drive is putting increasing pressure on the governor to get schools reopened. His first proposal came down, you know, two days before the end of the year, you know, nobody's paying attention. It's the middle of the holidays, but he was trying to get something out there because he could see the pace, you know, of, of this, of this, uh, of these opponents picking up, I mean, it, it's it's just not hard to see that they that he knows his you know political future is on the line right now. This is uh, this is a big deal for him if it's successful. If he can come out a month from now and point to a bunch of districts that are open now and kids who are back in the classroom because he helped craft this deal that is a big victory and it will really really halt the momentum of the people who are trying to get him out of office it's probably too late for to stop the recall from getting on the ballot but certainly it will take away a big argument for people who might have voted for it so yes if this is successful big big deal for him if it's not big, big problem because he is really putting his name on this one and, you know, kind of attaching his political fortunes to it. Jill, last question for you. What is school going to look like? I mean, we've asked you, I know it's hard to take stock of so many schools that you cover, but what does school look like? Uh, What does it look like over the next couple months? And what does it look like even in the fall? 
Yeah. So, I mean, a lo- most of the schools that are open right now are under a hybrid program, meaning kids are there either part of the week or part of the day. There are some districts that are moving toward full reopening, like in Marin County. Uh, Mill Valley Middle School is looking to reopen full time with all kids on campus at the same time. That will still be masked in mitigation efforts, but the teachers are getting vaccinated at a p- pretty rapid clip. But I, I do think any schools that start reopening, they're going to be under hybrid models, part-time, part-week, limited uh, types of activities. Um, and then, then in the fall, there's still a little bit of a question mark. I was talking to a lot of experts recently. They all have the caveat, it depends, you know, on a on unexpected variants or other types of things. In general, I think the best guess for the fall is that schools will be fully reopened they will be full time, uh, but there still might be mitigation efforts in place like masking and 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 hygiene and and cleaning uh, because kids won't be uh, not all kids will be vaccinated. I mean that's good news, right? <laughs> yeah, I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you my I, my daughter had a her first soccer game over the weekend, and it was just incredible to sort of feel like you were starting to enter a little bit of normal life again. I mean, I think it's worth noting as part of this deal that the legislature and the governor are pushing forward and and they're going to try and vote on it Thursday. So, I mean, we're moving quickly on this now. They don't they don't specify what in-person instruction should look like. So even as we're making this progress, even as things are looking more hopeful, it could be a couple days a week at most for kids. It could be a couple hours a day at most for kids. I mean, it really is going to be dependent on so many local factors And so, um, you know, it, I mean, optimistic situation, but still with every caveat that this pandemic brings to everything. Yeah. Not to mention the variants that are going around and and the the potential for another surge. Fingers crossed. Hopefully not. (laughs) But yes, definitely. Yeah. I, I think we can all cross our fingers and look optimistically at the fall because we are starting to see people dining outside again and soccer games. Even inside. Um, and it, yeah, in some cases. Um, and and the vaccinations are, are rolling out, you know, pretty fast now. In Marin, they were saying that for every new case uh, of COVID, uh, 80 people are getting vaccinated. And when you start hearing statistics like that, you know, you, you start looking at a future of, you know, in this case, schools of uh, kids showing up when the bell rings and heading into class. And, and that that would be uh, very good news for the fall. All right, guys. Thanks again. Thanks for joining me. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks to my guests today, Chronicle reporters Alexi Kosif and Jill Tucker, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thank you for listening. Listening.